the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. This is a good day to have a conversation with my new friend, John Francis. John is the inventor. He created a holiday, and the holiday is known as Father's Eve. And in this conversation, we're going to learn about Father's Eve, why John started this, and how you can get involved. So hang on tight, folks. This is going to be a fun one. Welcome to the podcast, John. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm really good, Scott. Thank you. Really yeah, good. Um, I'm, I was just actually talking to my um, the co-founder of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, Josh Price, today, and I was telling him about this being scheduled day, and I said, I'm really excited about this because I, I love what, what we're going to talk about. So um, first of all, why don't you go ahead and just kind of tell our listeners like who you are? Sure. Well, I'm John Francis. Uh, I'm in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Uh, I guess, you know, I don't know. My background is uh, I'm just a regular guy, I guess. Kinda that's awesome. That's what I think. think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, uh, I'm a lucky guy. I guess I was born and raised here in Minnesota. Uh, I'm the youngest of five kids in my family, so I'm the lucky kid. Uh, I was little Johnny growing up, and uh you know, so it was a lot of fun growing up as the youngest of five. I had an older brother, and I still have three older sisters. And uh, my parents were great folks. My dad was a fantastic entrepreneur in uh, the hair salon industry and the oh, franchise cool. industry. And uh, so I grew up in a family business. Yeah. And uh, multiple family businesses, I guess. We got into all kinds of stuff over the years. And um I can, uh, you know, I got married, uh, let's see, 1999, so um, 21 years ago. Yep. Uh, I've got two lovely daughters. They are 17 and 13, uh, two teenagers, so we're oh in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, you are. It's wonderful and challenging, and uh, they're normal, healthy, you know, uh, but it's, you know, it has its ups and downs, just like anything. Um, I work from home. I'm a lucky guy. Um yeah, I've had my own business pretty much my whole life, I guess. I've, I've worked for my family or myself, uh, for the most part, my whole career. And, a, um, yeah. That's a blessing. Yeah, I, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, my, my dad sold his hair salon. I, I can't even tell you. Maybe it was 45 to 50 years he ran that, owned an, and ran in the wow. hair business. And, 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 um, so, I grew up in that. I grew up cleaning the salon. Yeah, sweeping Vacuuming hair. all the hair. <laughs> the hair everywhere. Yeah. No, I, I too. I had a lot of fond memories as a kid. We used to load the shelves with the retail products, you know. Yep. Yeah. And um, sweeping hair and wiping hair and, you know, cleaning. Little hair trimmings everywhere. I mean, that's yes. just the environment you're in. But yeah. uh, we had a lot of fun with it. And uh, we had a nice business. We franchised it. Wow, and um, it it was uh, quite a story, but um, yeah, it uh, it worked. It worked out pretty well. That's that's. I love those stories. Um, I, you know, I learned how to work from that. I learned how to work from watching my dad. I learned how to work from being and his in his salon. You know, he had multiple. He moved around and kept getting bigger and bigger. And um, I was I was the cleaning guy. I was, you know restocking those machines. They had, they had these vending machines that did, I don't know, it was, you know, a long time ago, but just so many memories and, and what I learned from my parents having their own business. I, I don't know of a better way to kind of get that entrepreneurial bug than to grow up in it, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, there, there are schools that actually have entrepreneur courses, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, fine, you know, I, I've actually been a speaker and go tell some stories and, and, you know, inspire these, these college kids. But um, yeah, I think you're kind of born into it um, or you're born with it, you know, and there's yeah. some people that are, you know, like I, I call myself unemployable, right. I couldn't yeah. work for anybody else. I mean, I would if I had to, but um, it'd be hard for me to work for someone else after so much time on my own. You know, I'm, I'm very comfortable with the, ownership but it is a big responsibility you know you you make it or you break it on yourself yeah. so um, it rises and falls on your back yeah, alone not but, easy that's yeah. for sure not yeah. that's easy so have you kind of always been an entrepreneur then always kind of your yeah. own make it 
Yeah, I mean, I, I worked for our family business for a long time till I was in my 30s. And it was a nice business, you know, pretty good size. And, and we had a lot of work to do there. And um, but after we sold that business, you know, I went off and uh, I did my own thing since then. So I've, I've been an independent, uh, you know, for the last 20 years. Wow. Uh, and prior to that, I worked, you know, for my family and we had all kinds of different businesses, but we owned, you know, it was a family business or, yeah. you know, one yeah. way or the other. So. So, yeah, it's um, I mean, I've had jobs. I've worked other places, but um, never for very long, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I work for um, I, I kind of do contracting for a company now. And um, my people tell me I have to stop treating it like it's my own business. But that's the only way I know how to operate. <laughs> it's like, well, it's no fun if I don't treat it like it's my own business. Yeah, you do what works, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's uh it's, I don't think everyone understands it, but it's a, it's a, it's maybe it's a kind of disease. <laughs> well, it's a blessing and a curse, just yeah. like a lot of things, you know, a double-edged sword or whatever you want to call it. I love working for myself and I, I have clients and I, I work hard at what I do, you know, but if I'm not doing it, nobody's doing it. That's right. You know, I, I don't have any employees. I mean, I, I've had the businesses where I've had employees and, mm -hmm. you know, I've done all that and, and I just, I really rather not anymore and i kind of don't have to so i that's I awesome don't, you know Great. yeah lucky so 17 and 13 year old daughters yeah. so Two lovely girls eighth grade <laughs> middle school and high school then yeah right my older girl is a senior this year she's oh, going to graduate in the spring we're very excited about that she's doing great uh hard worker she just uh, finished her tennis season here they they had an abbreviated season with the covid mm -hmm. thing but uh she earned a, a, a letter in, in tennis. She lettered in the sport, which oh, is fun. great. That's, I never did that. So uh, I was too busy working when I was in school. But uh, <laughs> she's a good student. Um, she's a good girl. Um, she's funny, you know. And, um, yeah, high school has been a lot of fun for her. I think she's enjoying it. Um, she's doing all the right things, you know, regular kid. She's We're looking at schools and college, and she's trying to figure out what to do next. And, yeah, the the next steps. It's kind of a big deal. And yeah. then your thirteen year old is she an eighth grader? Then she is. Yeah, she's yeah. going to finish middle school, and, and she's doing great too. She's a hard worker at school. Um, she's playing volleyball right now. That's kind of mm -hmm. her thing. And yeah, um, they uh, the good news is uh, my girls get along together. They really oh, wow. are good with each other. I, I don't think they've they've had any fights. Maybe two or three in their whole time and together. So. In our house, you know, their bedrooms are on the same level, uh, different than, you know, we, we have like this main one one level. So uh, our room, the master bedroom is on the main level with the kitchen and the living room and all that. And then the, the girls are both downstairs. There's a lower level where they have their, oh, their bedrooms and their bathroom and all that. And they've always been really close. And um, they are about the same size physically. So, you know, they swap shoes and oh, clothes cool. and, yeah. and you know, jackets and you know whatever and they seem to i don't see them fighting a lot when when i was growing up i had three sisters and um and i saw some you know pretty awful behavior sometimes those girls can be pretty nasty and you know it wasn't always like that but uh you know they they were uh you know it was just a lot more drama in that sense for me growing up uh than i'm seeing with my my own kids, which I think is a, I don't know if it's a purpose or an accident, but, uh, you know, they get along well. They, they're, they're friends. They take care of each other. They do things together. I mean, they do plenty of things separately, but, um, but yeah, so I got two girls at home and, uh, they both go to the same school, which is convenient. Yeah, no joke. And, um, but it's a tough school, you know, it's a, it's a private school. So they got a lot of homework and, yep. you know, they really academically very challenging. Uh, but I tell them that's, it's a great thing because you'll be better prepared for what's next, you know? And yeah. so they're, they're moving on and moving through and, and uh, they're good kids. They really are. And I, I, I don't know, I, I can start dispensing with the one liners, but the, the, the line that's coming to my mind right now is people say, you know, your kids are really who they are when you're not around. So mm. when I'm, when I'm with them or me and my wife are with them, you know, we look at each other sometimes like, what, you know, why do they have to be so, you know, whatever. It's, it's not right. always easy, but 
when my kids are, when we're not around and the kids are like with my, my family or their friends or whatever, they're great kids. So great reports. Yeah. I think it has something to do, you know, they're still young enough that, you know, they can't seem to uh, behave the way we'd like them to when we're around. Yeah. So I think they they behave better when we're not around. I, I yeah. don't know if that makes sense, but it the, does. It does. So I taught, I taught for years and I would have those parent teacher conferences. I'm like, Oh man, your, your child is, you know, the pillar of our, and they're like, wait, what? Yeah, you're <laughs> talking about my kid. Yeah. Right. It's, it's <laughs> like same. I, Last same name. You you know who we're talking about here? They're like, I'm so glad they're that way for you. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's pretty standard. I, I you know that's and my boys get along really well too. They share the same floor in the house, away from ever you know the, my wife and I. And um and it, it it it's really fun to watch them grow up like that. And I I'm I'm I think we're both really blessed. They don't fight. How's it been raising daughters? I'm, I'm a dad or a boy dad. So, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, um, I mean, you get what you get. I'm, I'm thrilled. I love them. You know, being a dad, it's the most important thing I'll ever do. I know that it didn't take me long to figure that out. Uh, but you know, there's things I miss, I guess, or things I, I speculate that would be different if I had a boy. I mean, I like to go hunting and fishing and, you know, snowmobiling and stuff. And it's, they do too. I mean, I take my girls, they've been on snowmobiles and Fun. they go hunting and fishing, but it's not, not much, you know, they, I mean, you know, that's just not the same. And uh, so, yeah, you miss some of the sports and things that boys would probably do that are different than girls. I mean, you know, I hate to be too stereotypical, but uh, my kids are pretty, you know, right down the middle, regular kids, you know, and, but they're girls and, um, you know, we're dealing with girl kind of issues. Yeah. You know? yeah. and, uh, it's just different. I've got plenty of friends that have, you know, daughters and sons and, and, you know, you see the difference Yeah, and we talk about the difference, you know, it's like, well, you know, does your kid do this? Well, not really. You know, and you figure it's because they're, they're not a girl, you know, or right. they're not a boy or yeah. whatever. So there's differences, but you know, I, I, uh, you know, I don't, um, uh, I, I don't have any uh, regrets. I, I'm thrilled to have two girls. And, um, you know, if we could have, we might have had more. Um, we had, you know, we weren't able. It was, we kind of were lucky to get what we have. And, um, but, um, you know, that's life. I guess yeah. you make the most of whatever comes. Absolutely. A lot of men that I've talked to, um, you know, that, uh, that are, no longer their their kids are adults. They're like, Oh man, raising kids was nothing. It's the grandkids. I mean, they're like, I lived, if I would have known how great this was going to be, that's what, that's why God, you know, made it so horrible because when we as parents sometimes, because when we got to being grandparents, this is the best thing ever. So I kind of think like, okay, yeah, you have two girls, you might get a grandson and you get to live all of that. Right. So I, yeah. yeah. Many, many well, I'm, I, that's a long way out for me. I think I, I've heard it put <laughs> a grand, ways down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard it put grandchildren are the gift from God that you get for not killing your own kids. Exactly. Know? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's the carrot. It's yeah. the carrot out there. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> so let's, uh, you said you had what four siblings. So there's five yeah. growing up. So five kids in my household. family. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was crazy. A bit of chaos. But how good, was, you know. How was your relationship with your um, with your father? Well, I was the lucky kid. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, when I when I before I was born, and my dad was a new dad, and uh, you know, young family, and they were young. I mean, my parents were married in the fifties, and my older brother was born in the the late fifties. And when they were little, and he was busy, he worked a lot. I mean, and he worked and worked and worked. He was driven. And my dad grew up in poverty. I mean, right. on the farm, right? With little or nothing. His dad died when he was 12. Oh, wow. And he was the oldest of four kids. My dad was. And, and he met my mom and, you know, a little long story there. But so when, when, when our family was new, I guess, when they got married and they started having kids right away, and my brother and sisters, and they were growing up, my dad really was busy and, and gone a lot. He was working so much, traveling a lot. And, um, you know, it was not pretty. And, um, you know, in later years, as a whole family, we went through some family counseling and did some some work on this stuff. And it a lot of it came out, you know, and, and um, 
So what I think happened is by the time I was around, uh, my dad had kind of, I would say, woke up, right? He had realized that, hey, you know, I need to, I need to do this differently. What, why am I working so hard? What, a, what an expense, what a cost exactly. to the family. And, and I mean, it was, you know, it was pretty sad uh, from, but I didn't experience that, right? It was, this all happened before I was around, but he was a good man and he was trying to do the right thing, but he was just really driven uh, to never see poverty for him or him, his family, our family, my family. But by the time I was growing up, you know, things were already kind of going pretty well. The business was good. And, and he was able to kind of back off the workload a little bit and not travel so much. And I frankly think he, he recognized that, you know, I could do this differently with these younger kids. So me and my, my next oldest sister, I think he was around a lot more for us. You know, he wasn't on the road traveling and working, you know, all hours, every day, every weekend. And so I think the attitude that he took to the family changed for the better. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and like I said, I didn't really know what I didn't experience. Um, so my relationship with my dad was actually pretty good. Um, you know, he, he was interesting and fun and, and, uh, was a hard worker. He was a great role model for me. And, um, you know, I went to work. I wanted to work with my dad because that was the opportunity. He he had so many things going on. He's like, you know, we could use help over here. You can do this over there. If you wanted to make money in the family, if you wanted to buy something, you know, they wouldn't just give us the money. He'd give us a job. Yeah. And say, well, here, you can, You how much do you want to make? Well, I need, I'm going to buy this, whatever, you know, and uh, all of us, all my siblings, we always had opportunity, I guess. He he taught me the, the real meaning of opportunity and how to appreciate it and how to find it. And um, so I grew up working a lot myself and because that's where he was. And that's what I wanted to do anyway. So um, so it was a good in that sense. You know, I went to the better schools. We lived in a big house. You know, we took the fantastic vacations. And I thought everybody lived like that. You know, that's, <laughs> that's how it is, right? You, right? you think what you have is what everybody has. And then, of course, you grow up and you realize that it's not all the same for everybody else. And, and uh, so by the time I was in high school, um, he had developed a cancer. He had cancer. Actually, it started when I was in um, well, it started when I was in grade school, and it, it got worse through middle school. And then while I was in high school, it got it got really bad. And he fought uh, cancer. He had kidney cancer for 15 oh, years. Oh. And he had uh, some 22 surgeries, right? He was in and out of the hospital like uh, a revolving door. And uh, so that created a lot of stress and tension for the whole family. Yeah. Because uh, he would go through these surgeries and, you know, it's like life and death and, and he'd come out of it and he'd be OK for a while. And then we'd think, oh, great, he's clear. They got it. And then, you know, sure enough, it would pop up again a year later and they'd say, well, we found more tumors and we got to just wait for it to grow big enough so we can operate, which just was very frustrating. And uh, for sure. so we we're on this roller coaster, I would call it up and down with all of this. And, and in the meantime, you know, we're just doing everything else. Um, but that was that caused a lot of stress and anxiety for our whole family. And it created a lot of a lot of challenges. But um, as I grew up, you know, went through high school and did okay there and then got to college and, and uh, went for a business degree because uh, I needed to stick around. We had, now we had a lot of, a lot of business going on and um, frankly, we, he needed the help. He's like, yeah. you know, it'd be okay if you stuck around and helped with some of this stuff, right? We had a lot of real estate and, and uh, commercial properties and things. And so I did some of that while I was in college and, and that worked out great. I mean, it was a good job and, and it was real work and, um, so I got some real serious responsibility early, uh, probably earlier than than uh, most people would, but that's that's the situation we had. So I, I took, you know, I did the best I could with it and uh, took advantage of that. And then I got out of college and uh, went to work again. I guess for the the bigger family company was was by then quite large, a franchise organization and hair salons, and um, it was a big company. You know, we were publicly traded and. Oh, wow. I got to do some international work. Uh, I got to do some pretty, you know, high level executive level stuff and strategic planning and acquisitions. And, you know, we were doing some really cool stuff. And, and then my dad's cancer kept going and going. And, and we got to the point where we realized he was not going to beat this thing. It, it was going to take him. And um, I'll never forget, there was a certain point where 
you know, we kind of had the family sit down and it's like, okay, look, you know, we got to be realistic that he's not going to beat this. It's just going to be a matter of time. And he wouldn't accept it. You know, um, the family did and the doctors did and, and kind of my mother and my sibling, we all did, but he never really did. He's like, no, I'm going to beat this, you know? And it was like, come on dad, you know, but so it got a little weird, I guess, for a while, because, you know, it was like we were all trying to prepare for this, and he really wasn't, uh, up until the very end. I think when, at the, you know, the last few months of his life, I know that he knew it was coming. And, uh, and he did a great job, I would say, with the whole experience, you know, fighting it like he did and dealing with it the way he did and and trying to do the right thing at every turn, you know, he, he really was a, a, a heck of a guy, a great role model, like I said, and, and uh, he tried to take care of a lot of people and he really had a tremendous impact on a lot of people. Okay. He created a lot of success for himself and for everyone that was either an employee or a franchisee or, you know, other people around him and around us and around our business. So it was, he had quite a ripple effect of, of success. So when he finally died, you know, it, for, for us, in a sense, we were almost relieved, like, well, okay, we knew this was coming and we were more or less prepared for it. Um, but of course it changed everything. You know, it was a complete, uh, you know, it's like, I, I remember thinking that the sun is not coming up tomorrow. You know, how can this, how can we go on, you know? And, uh, so that was pretty tough, but, um, you know, you get through it and counselors and therapy and, yeah you know, good family and good faith. And, you know, you, you do what, what people do. And, and, uh, so, and our family got, frankly, I think my father's illness brought our family closer together, uh, because we had to kind of support each other and support my mother. And so when he died, I mean, there wasn't like this dramatic, uh, you know, catastrophic, you know, the bit, everything was prepared. We were well prepared. Um, so, okay. So that happens. And then a few years later, just, um, two and a half years later, my older brother, uh, who was 10 years older than me died in a car accident, oh. which of course is unexpected. I mean, nobody, you don't plan for that. And, um, and he was in a, a, a terrible condition. He was, he was in the middle of a second divorce which was really nasty. And uh, he had five kids from the two relationships. <clears throat> anyway, when he died, that was really the thing that upset the apple cart, I would say. Because obviously we weren't, weren't anticipating that and we were totally unprepared. And because he was in the midst of this um, really horrible personal situation, you know, we were all going through it kind of with him at yeah. the time. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. And it's like, well, now what? Right. So, um, uh, it had, that had a, I would say a bigger impact on the family because then my mother, uh, you know, she was not prepared for that. We were just kind of coming out of it, uh, from my dad's passing and then my brother dies. And, uh, so she kind of disappeared and went through some depression and, you know, normal grieving and, you know, a lot of difficult things. And she came back after about a year and said, you know what, I want to retire. I'm done working. I, I don't want to work anymore. And <coughs> there was no talking her out of it. I mean, nobody was, they were like, yeah, okay, we get it. You know? So one thing led to another and we wound up selling the whole company the whole business, which really was, was, I would say the third trauma in my life, right? Losing my dad was a big deal and losing my brother was a bigger deal. But then selling the family business was, was a, another big deal because that changed my career path completely. And, um, but it was a good deal. I mean, on the, on the, you know, the economics were tremendous and it made all the right uh, it was a, for the right reasons. It, it made a lot of sense. You know, everybody was, it was a very successful transaction, I would say, but it, it changed my situation completely because now I lost my dad. Now I lost my brother and now I lost my job and my motivation for really working as hard as I was working had disappeared. Yeah. So that was a tough period for me. And I was, 
I was 26 when my dad passed, and I was 29 when my brother passed. And then we sold the company a year later. Maybe I think it was a year later, maybe two. I don't know. It wasn't wasn't much later. And um, so all of a sudden, I'm like, well, now what do I do? Yeah, so, at, at thir- eight, age 30 or 31, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and everything had kind of changed. Like my whole world had changed in just a few years. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and that's, a, that's kind of typically when men are kind of just settling into their mm. career. They're just sort of settling in, right? They're, they've kind of found their way, and <laughs> you're thrown into it completely. Yeah, you know, it, I hadn't thought right? of it that way, but it, it was like the, the end of my career. Yeah. At that time, it, I already had had a career by the time I was 30 in the family and the franchising and, and uh, real estate. And uh, anyway, it, it had occurred to me, I had a conversation with my mom after all of this was going down. And uh, she was like, um, you know, I, I had realized why I hadn't, why I didn't want to get married at that time because my dad and my brother were not going to be there. Oh, man. And which is totally irrational, right. you know, but I had come to the conclusion, that, like I had a, a fantastic girlfriend. And finally I did after I, I recognized how stupid that was, you know, and uh, then I immediately went and asked her to marry me. And we, we were engaged. You know, we had been dating for years and, uh, and she's like, well, what's holding you back? And I, I said, well, you know, they're not going to be there. I don't want to get married if they're not going to be part of it. And that was, that was an eye opener. Right. And um, so I got kind of through that and, and, uh, you know, got dealt with that and said, okay, well, obviously there are a lot of things they're not going to be there for, and you can't let that hold you back. So, so I asked my girlfriend, you know, let's get married. And she said, yes, thank God. That was Best decision I ever made. Um, she's a great woman and a great mom and a good wife. And I mean, really, uh, if you knew me and you know her, you'd be like, "How did you do that?" You know, she's. I feel the same. Anyway, we got engaged for a year, and then we finally got married. Planned a fabulous wedding, and and honestly, the wedding was. It turned out to be kind of a celebration for the family. Like, my mother's like, "Look, we've been through a lot as a family. Uh, a lot of loss." a lot of tragedy and we need a good party. And I mean, we, we, we like to party, I guess we, we have a, you know, my family's a lot of fun if you know my, my whole family. And uh, so she's like, we want you guys to go, go for it with this wedding. And so we had a fantastic wedding fun. and it was great. Cause we were crazy in love and we were old enough. You know, we weren't like young. I think I was 32 and my wife was, um, well, she would have been, I think, 29. So, you know, that's not early. I mean, we were pretty late to get married. And it was a beautiful wedding. We had a tremendous amount of fun. And, and you know, then I got back to work. It's like, okay, well, I took some time off because I had the time. I had an opportunity to, it, what, what, what I'll never have again was a severance agreement where I got paid to not work, which yeah. was unbelievable right but that was part of the transaction so i took that time off and uh, uh, and then i got back to business and i decided to go do my own thing with what i really know which is franchising so i got back to work in uh, right after 2000 uh in 2001 i started building stores i had a different brand a different concept a completely different industry but franchise retail service franchising and got back to work and um and then got focused on, you know, what can I build for me and for my family? Now, it's not so much about my mom and sisters. They're going to be fine. But what can you do for yourself and your new wife? And, and then we started having our family. So, like I said earlier, we had a tough go having kids. You know, we found out, how, you know, if I would have known, you know, it was uh, we had some issues with the fertility. And we went through all the programs and the doctors and, and we wound up going through in vitro, which was a challenge. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. And I could, I could go on and on about that. But the, yeah. the outcome was we had two beautiful, healthy girls, one at a time, God bless. Uh, we lucked out. We didn't have to make any difficult decisions. We didn't have to deal with too much uh, drama. I mean, it was not easy. We did five cycles. Oh, um, in vitro, if you know that. And um, anyway, I had my first daughter when I was 36. 
And I had my second daughter when I was 40. So I'm an older dad, right? My kids, friends, parents are all about 10 years younger than me, (laughs) which is fine. It really doesn't bother me. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't think about age as a a real issue. It's you're as old as you think. Exactly. As old as you feel. So it's been a lot of fun. And then, then, you know, once we had the kids, then everything kind of shifted again. You know, it's like, okay, great. Now I've got my motivation, you know, it's very clear. Take care of these kids, take care of this family, you know, do your best for the people around you. And um, so it was pretty easy for me then to have that motivation. And that's been a good driver for, well, for the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't see it stopping, frankly. It might shift a little bit, you know, as my girls grow up and move on. Um, but, you know, like you say, there's a lot of other folks, a lot of more potential ahead of me, I think, still than uh, than behind me. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the losing your dad and then losing your brother, so that was basically the men in your life. Because mm-hmm. the rest are, is your mom and your sisters. So, oh man, yeah, I'm surrounded now. I got three <laughs> sisters, a mom, a wife, and two daughters. Yeah, you know? yeah. Now the good news is I married a lovely girl who's uh, her, she has her dad. Her mom passed away, and but her parents are fantastic. Her dad is great. My father-in-law, he's a champ, great guy. And then she has two brothers, and they're great guys. Oh, they're awesome, great. And then uh, my one sister is married. And she married a great guy. So I've, I've got some in-laws that are fantastic. Yeah. And and frankly, I've got a lot of good friends. I'm a lucky guy. I, I made friends, you know, all along the way in high school and college and from work and from business and different industries. And and, and because of my work, got me to travel all over the all over the world. Um, I've got friends all over the place. And um, so my personal network is is pretty strong, you know, and I've got a lot of good guys that I that I rely on, <laughs> you know, my friends and buddies. We we go hunting and fishing and snowmobiling, and you know, we we we're pretty serious about doing that stuff, you know. And uh, it's important. Yeah, yeah, it really. And my wife, thank God, understands that. Mm-hmm. She says, you know, I get it. You need to go be with those boys because you're not with your dad or your brother. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm actually good friends with some of my brother's friends became my friends, you know, cause we would go run around together and do those, you know, hunting and fishing and snowmobiling and right as a big group. So, um, so I'm grateful for that. You know, yeah. um, I've got those, those relationships and that's frankly how I think this whole father's Eve thing kind of started. Yeah. Let's jump into that. Um, father's Eve. Well, it, it, I'll be honest, it started as an accident, right? Like a lot of good things. A lot uh, of good things started. It was way, sort yeah. of unintentional. We, my wife and I, when that recession came through in 2009, 8, 9, and 10, right? Everything was cooling off. Everything stopped. The franchising world kind of froze because, oh, yeah. you know, everybody, nobody had any money, couldn't build or buy anything. Nobody could finance anything. And, you know, everybody was in a tailspin. So uh, the franchising cooled off. And um, I had already had a bunch of stores open. So I was open and operating, but I couldn't sell and build anymore. And that kind of takes the fun out of it. And then the um, the real estate business actually became an opportunity because the recession drove down a lot of values, oh, a lot yeah. of commercial property, everything went on sale. And so we did some, uh, I would say, estate plan planning with with our family we bought some commercial property because that was the other business I grew up with is commercial real estate so so uh, we transitioned some things around and I, I I sold off my franchise business because you know there wasn't much momentum there anymore and uh, we got into the real estate business a little further which was great it turned out to be a pretty good deal so anyway we moved to a new house I said now's a good time for us to move and um, we had a nice house, but we were, it was small and it was tight. And I wanted a little more space, not a lot more space, but what I really wanted was a bigger garage. So we all, <laughs> we moved in St. Paul. We've got a beautiful old house, this big old brick colonial. And, uh, but the garage was terrible. I said, well, I will, can only buy that house if I can tear down the garage and build a new garage. So we did. 
So I had the contractors come out and they tore it down and they built a, what I would call a real garage. And it took a little while. It was a big project. But when that garage was finished, finally, in 20, what was, we bought the house in, I think, 2011. And then we moved and, and rebuilt the garage. It was done in 2012. So the house was already been remodeled and the garage was brand new. And I wanted to show off this garage to my buddies because it's like, you know, I, I come see yeah. my man cave, right? Good. Yes. I could finally put all my stuff in one place, you know, the cars and the machines and the toys and everything else. And so, so my wife and I are actually flipping the calendar back when you used to flip calendars, right? right? It was, paper. <laughs> yeah, right. It was like a week at a glance. And so, okay, we're flipping the calendars. I'm looking for a Friday or Saturday night in the summer. And, you know, with the busy summer with the kids and everything else going on the only night that was available was this Saturday in June. And I look at the calendar. I'm like, how about this day? And she says, yeah, okay, that looks good. You know, she's checking her calendar. So I said, well, that's the day. And then we, I turned the page and the next day is Father's Day. And I said, oh, man, you know, I don't think nobody wants to go out Father's the night before. And, and uh, we were looking for more different dates, you know, later and everything was booked. And I said, well, if it's got to be that day, and it's the night before Father's Day. We're going to call it Father's Eve. And so it was kind of a joke, right? So I invited about 25 buddies over, a bunch of guys, got some beer, cleaned out the garage, you know, and said, come on over. We're going to have a party in the garage. It was basically a garage christening party, yeah, you know, yeah. throw a bottle against the wall and, you know, kind of break it in. And, and uh, it just happened to be that night. And so we called it Father's Eve, like a joke, right? Like, come on, it's Father's Eve. Okay. And it, it just happened to be a bunch of guys. And as, as it got closer, as the date was getting closer, more and more guys were showing up. They're like, well, I'm coming out, man. We're going to be there. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So I talked to my lovely wife and I said, you know, honey, um, if you and the girls are here, I don't think I'm going to be able to relax and enjoy having my friends over. And she said, well, what are, you, what are you saying? What do you want? I said, would you mind taking the girls and go to your dad's house for the night? And we'll do Father's Day on Sunday. But, you know, Saturday afternoon and Saturday night, I'd kind of like to be home alone with all of my friends, you know, so we can go nuts. And, uh, and that's just what we did. So I had these, uh, let's say, 30 guys show up into my garage. We had, you know, three kegs of beer and two bags of chips. And that was it. I mean, there was nothing to it. The music was just a little too loud. You know, it was perfect. And uh, no women, no children, no nothing. And we didn't do a thing. We just hung out, relaxed, take it easy. Everyone got to catch up with each other and look at the new garage and check everything out. And, you know, they looked at the house, but we weren't, we really weren't in the house. You know, I'm like, stay right. out of the house, you know, and so we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. And then they're like, well, geez, we got to do this again. We got to do it again. So, so the first ever was 2012, and it was uh, truly an accident. But then we did it the next year, and, of course, it had to be on Father's Eve because now we're calling it Father's Coined Eve. It, yeah. So 2013, it did basically the same thing, but there was about maybe 50 guys that showed up, more guys, because they had heard about it. They are like, man. You really had a, you know, we, and I think Facebook was just getting started yeah. or we were just starting to use Father's Eve or uh, starting to use, use Facebook was promoting and people were inviting, you know, other friends and like, yeah, why not? Let's go. And, and um, then it was, uh, that was 2013. It got pretty big. Then 2014, it was pretty much, I don't want to say out of control, but it was, it was really like, there were guys I didn't know that were yeah. there. And I'm thinking, well, this is great. You know, if these are guys, you know, that, that are coming to this party because their friends are inviting other friends, right? And, and the whole thing for me was guys would show up who didn't know each other, but by the end of the night, they sure did, you know. Yeah. And now we added food. One of my good friends is, uh, is in the restaurant business, so he brought out this big grill and he would cook up you know, the shrimp and chicken and burgers. I mean, we had all kinds of food. We added games. You know, we had this uh, putting game thing. We rented some equipment and tables and chairs. I mean, that was turning into a bigger deal. 
And then someone challenged me that year, 2014 was, was kind of when it was, you know, we had like a car show out the street, you know, and Gosh. it was just nuts. And, uh, <laughs> and the guy, someone, I don't remember who it was, but somebody challenged me and they're like, what are you going to do with this Father's Eve thing? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? What's, what's wrong with this? You know? And they're like, well, you could do some good. Like, like a guy pointing yeah. at your chest, like you could do some good with this. I'm like, yeah, well, <clears throat> you know, once challenged, right? So he knew he knew my background in, in franchising and, you know, he's like, you can do something with this. Why don't you do something good? So, okay. So we thought about it that fall and, uh, you know, hunting season and snowmobiling. I was talking to my buddies like, well, if I'm going to do something good, I'm going to need some help because it's outgrown the garage and I'm not interested in doing this all alone. So we organized, I got a few of my buddies from school and just friends to help me. And we organized ourselves and we moved it to a bar that was nearby. A friend owned the bar. We got this sort of back room and we raised, uh, we made it a a charity fundraiser for a charity. We picked two charities and we raised $10,000 for charity. And this was like, I mean, we're a bunch of guys, you know, we didn't know anything. I mean, I'm not a, event guy i'm not a charity guy i'm not a you know i'm just a regular guy i got a lot of friends and uh so i called in all my markers and it's like i would tell my buddies either give me something to put in the auction or come here and buy something you know and spend a little money because we're raising money for charity and we got a little bit of media right one of my buddies from college is in the pr business so he got us in the newspaper and the tv the TV trucks were out in the parking lot. It must have been a slow news night because I think there was nothing else going on. Uh, but we really, we we're like, wow, we got something here. So after that, uh, I decided, you know, how do I really expand this and do, you know, really do some good? Well, my, my world is franchising. Like I said, that's, that's the format of, that I'm familiar with. So my lawyer, I'm talking to him, he says, well, you can't franchise one night a year. I mean, there's no business model there. It's not a right sustainable, scalable thing. I said, well, but, you know, what am I doing? I got this thing. He said, well, I got advice from, you know, quite a few people. And like I said, I'm not afraid to ask for help. You know, as long as other people will help me do it, I'll, I'll do it. So, so we trademarked it and we license it for free. We give away the license. So we, we own the trademark, Father's Eve. And I went, uh, that year, 2016, I went to an event called Dad 2.0, okay. which is like a fatherhood conference, I guess. And it was for influencers. And I had no idea what, what that meant in, in media. And I'm like, well, what, what is that? You know, and I, I could spell the word blog, you know, but I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know anything about blogging or social media or influencers or any of that. So, but I, someone told me about it. I looked it up. I signed up and I just went to that conference. I printed up some business cards and, you know, I'm not afraid of making new friends, you know, right. and uh, didn't take me long to, you know, meet a few guys and, and say, well, it's easy. I got this deal. Father's Eve, you know, and, well, what's that? And I had, could tell my story, you know? And so I met some groups there and some people there that, that uh, ha- are still good friends of mine that have really helped us expand this thing. One is the, the guys from the City Dads group mm-hmm. out of New York, and they had chapters, uh, basically chapters of their dad groups. I'm like, are you kidding? Where, where are you in Minnesota? Where have you been? Right. You know, where you I needed you when I was pushing the stroller to the park and, and right. all the moms are looking funny at you, you know, like, what are you, whose kids are those, you know? And, uh, I was that stay at home dad or work from home dad, you know, for ever since my kids were born. Right. So, so I'm like city dads, you got groups all over. I said, that looks like a franchise, right? I could, I said, look, fellas, I can help you with what you're doing. They're not a franchise, but it looks like one to me. Everything does. I said, how about if you have the city dads guys host a father's Eve in their local market, right? This becomes their national one night a year, big deal, right? And they could, they could all do it. Then I also met the guys from the National At Home Dad Network. Mm. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. There's, what is this? You guys are all, you know, they're like, well, yeah, we, we've been around for 20 years. I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea. So, and they were a charity. They're, they still are. They're a nonprofit. I'm like, well, I need a better nonprofit. And um, so we decided to raise money for them. I, I said, 
to the at-home dad group, I said, well, if we raise money and give it to you, what are you going to do with it? You know, yeah. where does it go? What's your budget? And they said, well, we have a conference, you know, the home dad con, which is a bunch of dads getting together and, and they have speakers and programs and workshops. And I said, well, okay, when I go to conferences, there's usually a reception the night before everything starts. I said, you yeah. do anything like that? They said, well, yeah, guys get together. They come in the day early or whatever. And I said, well, I want to sponsor the reception the night before, and I want you to call it Convention Eve, sponsored by Father's Eve. And that's where I want my, you know, our fundraiser to your organization to sponsor that. That'll get more guys in, in earlier, and they can connect and get to know you. It's, it's all the hi, how you been, what's going on, before the program really starts the next day. Right. So they thought that was a great idea. And uh, and we've been doing that for, geez, I think we did that for three or four years. We, we did it. We uh, Now, last this year, of course, we didn't have, they didn't have anything. You know, the COVID has changed everything. But so 2016, we licensed it and promoted it a little bit. We did 12 cities, 2016. And it was like, wow, this really has some potential. 2017, we pushed it a little harder. I started a little earlier, a little more media, and spent a few dollars, and, and again, fundraiser for charity. And um, that year, I think we were at 35 locations, wow. 2017. And we had one in the UK. Somebody picked it up in Scotland. And we had a guy in Costa Rica who found us. And he was an American living in Costa Rica. I'm like, sure, why not? 2018, uh, we moved it, stepped it up. We were in 43 cities in 2018. 2019, last year, uh, we were in 60 cities. Wow. And in Canada and Mexico, and uh, we had now we had sponsors. Uh, I work with Sport Clips, Haircuts, which yep. is, you know, hair salon franchise. I'm, I serve on their board of directors, and so they were a sponsor. We had Smarty Pants Vitamins. Uh, we had a few other product and brands that, that wanted to reach the dads. And we really had some great momentum 2019. And we're still working with the City Dads Group and the At Home Dad Network. And, you know, these guys are, I mean, there's guys all over the place that they're just looking for something like this. Yeah. You know? So then this year, 2020, with the COVID, you know, really kind of blew everything up because I, I had some great momentum with, uh, I had some restaurant brands that we were going to get to sponsor and host events at their restaurants. And uh, we were really trying to take it up another level, but uh, we couldn't do anything in person. And I'm talking to my lawyer. He's like, look, you better not promote events because the state and the rules are, you know, you're not supposed to gather more right. than 10 people or whatever. I'm like, well, come on. And he's like, no, man, if you put it out there, somebody gets the virus and they were at father's Eve, you know, you got exposure. I'm like, Damn. So, so we kind of had to pull back and we, we put it online. We went to a virtual format, just like everything else in the world this year, everything went online. So we did father's Eve from my garage. <laughs> and um, I, when I was a kid growing up, I remember Dick Clark used to do from times square, the countdown new year's Eve right? And at midnight. So our, our Father's Eve countdown, we do it at eight o'clock because uh, I'm, I'm going to be asleep by 1030. So, so we did the countdown toast from my garage. Uh, we called it Times Square in my garage. I had about six guys over. We drank a ton of beer and had some fun and we streamed it online. We had a production company help us. We shot a bunch of videos and we got our, our partners involved. They provided some videos. We had a great entertainer, this guy named John Sweeney. He's a comedian. He, he did a session for us and recorded that. And we, we, our, our reach was over 7,000 people. That's awesome. Uh, this year online. So, yeah. and I had no idea how we were going to pull that off because, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not an online right. production guy. I mean, we're learning all kinds of new stuff. So next year, uh, 2021, I believe we'll go back to in-person events because I think this COVID thing will have sort of passed. Hopefully, we'll get people to go back to garages or backyards or block parties or bars and restaurants or, you know, wherever people won't feel like getting together, Father's Eve. And then I think we'll do online as well because 
yeah. we realized that, you know, that pretty interesting strategy can reach a lot of people who, who aren't able or, or really don't want to go out and meet other guys in person, but they do want to connect and share ideas online. So Father's Eve is a real deal. It's really starting to catch on. Um, we've got sponsors. We've got a charity partner now. Uh, our charity partner is called Children's Miracle Network. Oh, yeah. It's a hospital network. They have yeah. 170 hospitals for kids. It's an awesome one. Yeah, That's they're big incredible. and they're wonderful. And we think we can really do some good to help raise money for their hospitals in local communities. And, um, and they've got some resources. They can help us promote you know, Father's Eve becomes their channel to kind of reach the dads, right? It's a different segment than they're usually going for their fundraising. So, so Father's Eve is not a charity. It's, it's not, you know, I said, I don't want the scrutiny or the complexity of being a nonprofit. We are an event company, I guess. Uh, and we raise money as a fundraiser for charity. So we raise money to give it away. That's really what we're all about. And, the idea is you come to Father's Eve to connect and share and celebrate fatherhood. It's awesome. So we have some fun. We don't really have any program. I say we're not selling anything. We're not preaching to anybody. We're not solving anyone's problems. You know, we're not there to do anything but just be together and kind of hang out. Um, what we did start doing uh, a little bit last year and a little bit this year actually was asking guys to tell their stories. Yeah. You know, what do you know about being a dad? Or what do you love about being a dad? Or tell your story about your dad or, or tell some stories because guys will learn from talking to each other. Uh, they won't ask for help. We all know that. But they, if they learn and hear stories about, you know, like I could tell you how I taught my kid how to ride a bike. Right. For example. Yeah. And uh, or now, like, how did you help move your kid to go to college or whatever? You know, how did you teach your kid to drive a car? You know, all kinds of things that dads are are dealing with and we can tell stories and share ideas about what worked or what didn't work and the other guys will listen you know they're not asking for the help but they're getting that help from each other yeah and yeah. Then i think you know a couple other key points i guess just i want to share is going through my head here is one is i think a lot of guys get disconnected as they get older right they're too busy with work poor guys, you know, the guy's got a real job and he works and travels kind of like my dad used to, right? Balancing work and family and everything. That's hard. Yeah. It's hard. So guys don't stay connected like they probably want to, or they probably should. So I say Father's Eve is a point where you can bring your buddies or come make some new ones, you know, awesome. because we're, we're there to, to connect and, and there's no expectation. You know, if you want to talk, talk, if you don't want to talk, don't, nobody cares. I mean, we have some games, some activities, some things to do, but, um, you know, there's really no, no pressure. And then the other piece I think that's, that I'm finding really valuable about Father's Eve is guys will learn, you know, what we take for granted being a dad and just, you know, guys just all of a sudden you're having babies and you're a dad and you're doing your thing and you just, you just do it, right? You learn right. from each other. And, right. But I think dads can learn to be even just a little more intentional about being a better dad. Absolutely. And yeah, it's not changing the whole game, but you know what? I've seen guys at, at Father's Eve that, that we host, that I've been the host at my events, and I hear about it from other guys. You know, I talk to my guys after, like, hey, how'd it go? What happened at your deal? And and I say, you know, what what was the outcome? And they say, these guys come away with a whole new understanding and appreciation of how important their role as dad really is. Well, that's big. And they recognize it and they say, wow, I can do better. I can do more. I want to do better. I want to do more, right? They're not, they're not struggling or, or uh, failing, you know, they're just doing their thing, but they recognize just a little more effort. They could really do a bigger, bigger, better impact. And, and not just for their own family, but for their community. Yeah. It go, and, it grows from the family out. Oh, too. I think that the, it's a tremendous opportunity. So, so I see that as kind of our mission and our kind of our why is to connect and celebrate fatherhood. Yep. So we say, um, you know, I tell the story, man, I love Father's Day. Father's Day, you know, I'm with my wife and my kids and, and we go, we visit the grave where my dad is and my brother. You know, it's, it's about dads and family. Father's Day is for dads and family. That's, that's usually what, what people are doing. 
Father's Eve is the night before is just for the dads. Yeah. So I say, we love Father's Day so much, we wanted more. Uh, most guys got to work on Monday, so we had to back into it Saturday night. So that's how we got to Father's Eve. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, you tell you said something. You said that you don't you don't solve any problems, which you know that's not part of your model. But a side effect is that you do because a big problem is men kind of needing to step up. And I think whenever you surround them by other men with a purpose, yeah, it happens naturally. And I, so I yeah. think I think it is solving a massive problem. Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. it, it, it certainly has. And I'll tell you what. Uh, for example, in uh, I think it was 2016 when we first did the 12 cities and I was like, you know, I asked basically friends of mine, like, Hey, I need you to throw a party on Saturday in June and I need you to call it father's Eve. And they're like, well, what's that? And so I explained everything and they did it. And um, maybe it was the next year after anyway, early on, I talked to a guy, somebody in North Carolina and, uh, you know, I didn't really know the guy, like we weren't already really close friends. And, uh, and I said, how'd it go? You know, I call these guys up on like the Tuesday, I'd say, what happened on Saturday? And this guy said, you know, I'll tell you what, he, he said, we had five guys. That was it. We sat at a table and talked for three hours. And I said, you, no way. I said, there's no way that doesn't happen. He said, no, it doesn't happen anywhere else. No. He yeah. said, this was the opportunity for these guys to get together and just start sharing their issues and talking about their family and their wife and their kids and their job and whatever. You know, they were able to talk about anything because, uh, I, like I say, it's a judgment-free environment, right? We're not there. We're just there to listen and talk and share ideas. And so he said they left knowing that they were going to stay connected. You know, if, if nothing else, I'll see you next year for Father's Eve. So guys keep coming back and um, to these events when when we're allowed to have them in person, and I'm seeing the same thing. It's like a snowball effect, right? Mm-hmm. They they come and they see their buddies from hey, I remember you from last year, and and they might bring a few new guys th- with them, and uh, you know, and it just keeps going and going, and we're seeing that all over the country, That's and um, incredible. It's really a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really a lot of fun, and we don't charge anything, right? We're not taking get any credit card numbers we're not spamming people we're not pushing anything we're we're there to have a good time it's really about just connect and share and celebrate have some fun we have some games you know we keep it clean there's a few rules you got to follow it's all on the website which is pretty straightforward but um we think the way to monetize this is with sponsors once it gets a critical mass and there are sponsors that want to be the official you know fill in the blank of father's eve We'll let those sponsors pay for that privilege, yeah. And we'll use that money to produce more events and and have more fun at our events. And uh, that's kind of the the strategy. Is you know I want it to be free and fun, like every other holiday should be free, right? And fun. Yeah. And Father's Eve is just a new holiday for dads, and uh, we're not taking anything away from mom, and we're not taking anything away from Father's Day we just kind of tucked it in and added the new opportunity for guys to connect in a way that I think they really want to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it sounds like an awesome opportunity. You know, it also sounds like an awesome opportunity for um, maybe some of the listeners to kind of spearhead something in their area, which, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of men who ask, what do I do? And this is the perfect segue. It's like it would host something like this because you're bringing a tribe to yourself around something that's already, you know, started. And um, so tell me, how does, how does somebody, you know, there's a man listening to this and he's like, man, my community could use, really use this. What's that look like for them? Well, the easiest thing to do is, is uh, invite your buddies over to your house. Like mm-hmm. I did in my garage, mm-hmm. right? It was friends and family in my garage and we we had nothing to do, but, you know, empty some beer can. Hang out. Right? There yep. was nothing to it. Um, so make it whatever you want. I mean, there are, again, some simple, easy rules, but it's it's not at all complicated. Most guys start at home in their backyard or their, their garage or their basement or whatever. Then it kind of grows. Usually it, it turns into a block party, maybe a neighborhood party. We've seen some of that, like the end of the cul-de-sac, they block off the roads and then start a bonfire, go nuts. 
but then it usually moves to a bar or a restaurant. Uh, so somebody else can do the cleanup, you know, and, and right. you can have servers and people with food and drinks and whatever. Um, we've had guys do, um, we had one guy, uh, I can't remember, I think it was in Kansas City. He did a, a fundraiser for his son's basketball team. He's like, can I raise money? I said, yeah, we want you to raise money. So get, you pick a local charity That's or awful. you can use our charity that now the Children's Miracle Network. We, we think there's some great strategy that could come from that, using them as our fundraiser partner. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, most guys just get together. They have a pretty low key. Um, you know, we're not selling anything. We, we, I, I used to send out boxes. I'd get coupons and giveaways right. and t-shirts and koozies and stickers and all that. And, you know, we have some fun giving stuff away, but, um, the idea is just keep it real simple. I mean, there's really two things is pick a place, pick a location and make it happen. I mean, you know what night it's going to be, uh, the yeah. timing of the deal, uh, Usually we start at like six o'clock at night. We get mm -hmm. together and we got the grill going and we're, you know, we're cooking up and we're just hanging out. Then we, we, our peak is eight o'clock. We do a countdown toast, just like New Year's Eve at midnight. You know, you go 10, nine, eight, seven, all the way. We do that at eight o'clock. So you stop That's everything. Done. <laughs> do a countdown a toast to the dads. Happy Father's Eve. And then we're done by like nine o'clock. It pretty much wraps up 10 o'clock. Everybody's gone and it's over. You so the know? next day you're fresh and ready for your family. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I want to be ready for my kids, right? Yeah. My family in the next day. So, so we have a lot of fun doing it. Um, it's easy. It's free. It's simple. There's a website, fathersEve.com. There's a All simple, right. there's a button that says host an event is what we call it. We don't promote it as a party. Um, it might turn into a party. It might look like a party. Uh, it kind of depends on the, who's doing it, but we don't promote it as a party. Right. We promote it as an event uh, because, you know, we want to have more than just guys going nuts. We want to have some fun and, and do some good. And then the fundraising charity thing is really what gives it a better, bigger purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last year out of the 60 cities that we did in person events, I think we had 12 that did fundraisers mm -hmm. for local charities. And uh, we've got some opportunity there to really do some good. Because yes. these guys want to do some good, you know. They if if you can, you do, and uh, but you don't have to. That's not a requirement. That's awesome. So, fathersEve.com is is the place to go if you're if you're interested. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff there, and we're on all the social medias and all that. And, yes, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a hard guy to find. You put in John Francis, Father's Eve, <laughs> you know. Got you you might see my, my work life is franchising. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of my day job, but uh, Father's Eve is, is my side gig. And, um, you know, it's a very seasonal business. You know, Scott, I say it's a, it's a one night a year business, right? That's, now, we work on it pretty hard from, you know, April, May, and June ramping up. And, and like now, this time of year in the summer and fall, we're looking for sponsors and we're trying to build those relationships and I'm doing some networking, you know, all around the country and even around the world. Um, we've got some other guys in other countries that want to do this, which That's I awesome. think is fantastic. Why yeah. not? You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I would like to, um, honestly, I'd like to challenge our listeners. You know, it would be really great for 2021 for at least five of the uh, five official father's eve groups going on just from our listeners that would be that's my challenge so that's that's yeah. what i'm looking at let's start and you back. could be the brotherhood of fatherhood for father's eve yeah you, know, you could you right. could you could uh, tag on the, the branding and and if you if you if you're a nonprofit or if, if guys want to pick a pro nonprofit, a charity or, or like i say you can use the charity we're affiliated with that's your option or forget about the charity. You can do that later. You know, I don't know. I really like that there's a mission in place, like a, a common a common thing. We're coming together because we're fathers and get it. But I really, I think doing it for um, having some sort of charitable fundraising thing is, is I, I don't know. I would highly support that. Yeah, it, 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 uh, I agree. It gives us a focus and a purpose. And uh, frankly, it, it's good to give, you know, people it feel is. good about it. And we find some creative ways to raise that money. Um, yeah. We've done golf tournaments, poker tournaments. We had an axe throwing tournament at one place. Um, 
you know, use your imagination, raffles and drawings and silent auctions and yeah. all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, it's, it's a bunch of guys, you know, so it's, it's supposed to be fun. That's the whole idea. Keep it simple, make it fun. Yep. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Pick, pick a place, make it happen. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. Well, John, I, I'm really excited that we, you fa- that we made a connection uh, through LinkedIn. It, it's been, um, really cool. I, I want to thank you first of all, for sharing the story about, you know, your family and your dad and your brother and how this all came together. It just kind of makes sense. It's just really, really exciting. So uh, thank you so much for, for joining us on this. Yeah, you're welcome, Scott. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to tell my story and, you know, I feel blessed. I'm a lucky guy, you know, I mean, like I said, when we started, I, you know, I'm just doing my part here trying to figure it out. And I think if, if what I've created can really help some other people and do some good and uh, can really create something that makes a difference out there. Amen to that. You know? Absolutely. That's the whole, the whole thing. Agreed. Agreed. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the brotherhood of fatherhood podcast. And um, if you like this, make sure that you check out the, the the show notes because we'll have links to all of um john's what he talked about the fathersEve.com so that you can get involved we highly highly uh encourage you to do that and then if you enjoyed the podcast make sure you subscribe and hit us up on facebook get to our group brotherhood of fatherhood we also have a page so your wife kind of knows what's going on if, if you need that too uh and uh thanks for being listeners have a wonderful day